Hi, I'm Skip Nipper. Welcome to my podcast, where I tell you about Nashville's great baseball history and traditions. Shot to right a one-hop liner. Certainly about its past, especially about Tom Wilson Park, Herschel Greer Stadium, Sulphur Dale, but also a little bit about its present and future, too. Yes, he can. A mix the waist-high catch. And I introduce you to players, coaches, and other fans and their love for everything baseball. A high fly ball down the right field corner going way back. Hits a leadoff home run. I'm always searching for something new that connects Nashville baseball fans and players and the teams. And the past few weeks, I've found references to non-professional teams that perhaps could have been just that. In fact, they were certainly professionals, but not baseball professionals. Major League barnstorming teams traveled across the country to give folks a chance to see baseball stars up close and personal when they did not have a chance before television. Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth and others joined together for many years. And along those lines, I have found an instance where a couple of acting troops in the late 19th century played baseball games between each other in Nashville. And when jazz became popular, performers often formed baseball teams from their entourage, especially Louis Armstrong and Cab Calloway. Bob Kendrick, the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City, explains it this way. All the jazz musicians wanted to be baseball players, and all the baseball players wanted to be jazz musicians. I think that's true in just about every music genre, from Bill Monroe, whose passions were music and baseball, to Roy Clark and Jerry Reed. Let me talk about that a little bit. Bill Monroe once said, the Bluegrass Boys played a lot of towns all over the country. And back then, you know, every town had a ball club. A lot of times we'd play our show at the local ballpark, and then after the music, their game would start. Well, I always really liked baseball myself, and a lot of the boys that were with me then also wanted to play ball, so we wound up with a ball club. And if you can believe it, even Dave Stringbean Ackerman played. He was a good first baseman and an outfielder. But by the 1950s, Monroe gave up his ball teams, probably for the same reasons the minor leagues were drying up. But in the mid-1970s, a group of Nashville songwriters, musicians, and artists joined together to form the Nashville Pickers, helping to bridge a gap in Nashville baseball history. And think of it this way. It may have helped bring pro baseball back to Music City after the Nashville Vols shut down after the 1963 season and after Sulphur Dale was torn down in 1969. Well, in 1971, Gene Ferguson, the national promotion manager for Columbia Records, came up with the idea for a barnstorming team of country music stars who would play friendly exhibition games against local teams and then, just as Bill Monroe's band had done, stage a concert after the game. The idea would raise money for local charities, usually a local youth baseball organization, but there were other charities too. Now, the Pickers didn't gain much notice until 1972 when they added former Cincinnati Reds manager and one of the Philadelphia Phillies whiz kids heroes, Dick Sisler, as their manager. 
He'd also been manager of the Nashville Vols in the late 1950s and had made Music City his home. They also recruited former Vanderbilt coach George Archie as a coach and sometimes fill-in player, and his connections to Vanderbilt would prove important as the school would often provide opposition to the Pickers. The Pickers featured plenty of talent from the musical ranks, and let me give you a few of those names. Key Hall's musical director and harmonica virtuoso, Charlie McCoy, who I understand can play a lot of instruments and certainly could play a lot of positions on the field, rockabilly guitarist Bob Lumen, singer Roy Drusky, singer-songwriter Ed Bruce, and Tommy Cash, younger brother of the Man in Black, all were members of this Pickers team at one time or another. And one of the Pickers' first games that season was a contest in Atlanta against a team of celebrities and Atlanta Falcons football players for the Braves' Country Music Day. The game was played at the Atlanta Stadium where just two weeks before, Hank Aaron passed Babe Ruth's career home run mark. The following season, the Pickers were marketed to major league teams as a package deal that allowed stadiums to have an entertaining ball game and a concert with top-tier talent as part of the same gate as their own ballgames. And sometimes they figured as many as an extra 4,000 fans came to the games to watch. The Pickers added musical talent from Nashville as they went along, including Roy Clark, the co-host of Hee Haw. You may not be aware that in 1951, he had tried out for the St. Louis Browns and later was a co-owner of the Tulsa Drillers minor league team. And by the way, you may also not know that Clark drummed up a friendship with Mickey Mantle at many charity golf events, and the Mick asked his friend to sing Yesterday When I Was Young at Mantle's funeral. And there are more players. The Pickers added Whispering Bill Anderson and Jerry Reed. Anderson was a star high school pitcher in Georgia. Charlie Pride, who played professionally in the Negro Leagues and the low minors before hitting it big on the charts, occasionally played too. The Pickers wanted to play as many dates as they could beyond the big gigs in Major League Baseball stadiums. They even inaugurated a local ball field in nearby Brentwood, Tennessee, where a number of country music artists lived, and they hoped to embark on a tour of Canada to play teams of National Hockey League players, and they even wanted to challenge the White House staff of President Gerald Ford. On April the 24th, 1975, representatives from Hillerick and Bradsby signed a number of the players to the equivalent of promotional contracts so they would have their signatures on their Louisville Slugger bats. Those names are not on the signature wall at their museum in Louisville, however. But the Pickers had lined up dates in a few large cities in 1975, but there started to be some strains on the team. Dick Sessler returned home to watch his son, Rick, a future New York Yankee draftee, play ball. And Jim Cosman, the star pitcher for the Pickers, took a job in St. Louis for a waste disposal company and was only able to occasionally take part in games. And many of the musicians, as country music started to grow, also had to balance the demands of touring and recording with the team leading to an expanding group of artists suiting up on a part-time basis, including stars like Mickey Gilley, Eddie Raven, and even teenaged sensation Tanya Tucker. 
1976, the Pickers played a date in Memphis and staged a game in Nashville against retired members of the old Nashville Vols minor league team. But they also branched out into softball and competed in a tournament at the annual Country Music Fanfare. They even played against a team founded by former Picker Bill Anderson. And with that explosion of country music in the 1990s, the Fanfare softball games became huge and were televised on the Nashville Network. And the softball tradition at the festival continued for more than a quarter century. Well, while the Pickers would fade away, they certainly contributed to the baseball legacy of Nashville. In 1976, former Picker Jerry Reed joined a group formed by Vanderbilt's baseball coach, Larry Schmidt-O, which also included country music stars Conway Twitty and Cal Smith, to bring professional baseball back to Music City after more than a decade away. Now, here's my question. Were the Nashville Pickers, a group of country music artists who played baseball, a demonstration to the city and to the country that charitable games could be fun and that big-time baseball could work in Nashville? And here's another question for the future. With the group trying to bring Major League Baseball to Nashville, having assembled a high-powered roster of advisors ranging from political, corporate, sports, and entertainment leaders, Another influence on their endeavor, what they want to do in bringing Major League Baseball to Nashville. And will that work? From jazz to bluegrass to country and to an eclectic music scene that now defines Music City, could our next dream come true in Nashville? <laughs> 